big questions and little concerns or maybe big concerns because everything's on fire because it's 2020. Yeah I mean California's on fire, Texas is on fire, everybody's on fire. I actually have forgotten about the literal fires because I am so besieged by questions about how we are here in Portland because a white person was killed here. Yeah so how's Portland doing? Um, you know how about I decline to answer that question anymore because zero people reached out to ask me how I was doing when a black person was killed here ever, ever. And so I don't know how to respond to that question anymore other than to say, I don't think that that is the conversation that we need to be having. Fair enough. Um, Dayton's pretty okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I got a, a thing in the mail um, this week for um, doing research for people who were impacted by the Oregon district um, shooting that happened a year ago and looking at like the long-term effects of that, which I thought was like a very interesting, like Wait, Oregon district in Dayton. Yes. So, oh. but it's Oregon. pronounced because we live in Ohio. It's Oregon. This, it's pronounced Oregon. People <laughs> know, Oregon. It's pronounced Oregon. Nope. It's yeah. Oregon district. Is Oregon district shooting impacted you? Yeah. So I, I didn't live, um, nor have I, nor had I ever been to that district. Um, when the shooting happened, um, I was in Dayton in the area and it was, um, in general, but it, it was much more impactful, I think, to like my coworkers, not that they like were at that place, but they had like gone to college in Dayton and so like that's a, a college spot and so like if it had happened like just a few years earlier they might have been there that night or whatever and so like putting that in perspective for them was um a little bit more Is that a mass shooting yeah so there was um there were several people killed and um several injured and um police um often are in present in the area and um they they killed multiple people with within a minute and a half um, and, um, the shooter was killed during that incident as well. But yeah, so, um, I have since like been to the Oregon district and there are like signs up talking about like, if you're interested or have been impacted in participating in that research, um, that that's available. But then it was interesting that I received, um, uh, a mailing, a general mailing, um, for it as well. So I just thought that was, yeah, I think. I think, I mean, we're traumatizing an entire generation of people of color, essentially. And Absolutely. we as white people primarily care about that when it impacts us. And we feel fearful and defensive around that. And so our conversations are like, at worst, like, I'm going to go get them before they come and get me, which uh, that is a fantasy. They're not, I, I live in the place where all the protesting is happening. They are not breaking into white people's homes. The thing that's happening that's screwing up white people's homes is that there has been so much tear gas that there are 
people having breathing problems and women having like changes to their menstrual cycle downtown. There was a day I didn't swim downtown because there was so much tear gas that we had our first rain and I was just worried about the tear gas washing into the streets. They did, the city did go and like clear or clean the sewer drains somehow to prevent that. But unfortunately they weren't able to access all of the drains because the federal officers had some of them blocked off. Mm. So um, no one has asked me about that. No one has asked me about the impact of tear gas on my health. No one has asked me if I'm afraid of the police in our area, which I, I, you know what, I just feel like we need to center this conversation on like black people. I just, you know, mm-hmm. no one said, what has a black person said to you about this lately? What have you done? You know what I mean? Like very few, very few of any people have checked in in that way. And I find that very disappointing. And I feel like if you feel the need to check in to make sure someone's okay, great. But like, why is that the only thing? Mm-hmm. Why is that the only thing? Well, I think part of it is like the news talks about it. The president mm-hmm. talks about it. It's, well, it's, it's hilarious because like what mm-hmm. the level of danger or lack thereof here is not does not correlate with the news cycle. So I can only just tell when Portland's been in the news because I get a bunch of phone calls and emails being like, are you okay? Are you really okay? It's such a shame. I hope you're being careful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hi, welcome to like Wednesday or whatever. I don't know why, <laughs> like it just, I'm frustrated. Absolutely. I'm frustrated with guns too. Guns are like a huge part of the problem. People with guns are a huger part of the problem. Maybe it should be harder to get a gun than it is to be able to drive a car, you know, or something. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely pushes for more um, background checks and those types of things to ensure that the people who can get it, but, you know, as recent events have shown us that even illegal guns end up in the wrong hands and so um and people can cross state lines with guns that they're not supposed to have and yeah. protect things that aren't theirs and shoot people i so. learned recently that sometimes when people want to buy a silencer for a gun they'll go online and they buy it as quote unquote quote an oil filter and that's like a code word that's something i learned from tiktok actually and mm. i checked it with someone i know who knows about guns and they said it was accurate so that's something that I learned, that I learned. Also silencers, I guess, I don't, they're not, you can't just go in and have one. You have to like, I don't know, there's rules around it or something. Yeah. So that's good. But um, I don't know. I read an essay by a former intern boss of mine who is a black person and she was writing about the whole, the essay is uh, called On Black Lives Mattering. And she wrote it for Cincinnati Magazine. Her name's Aisha Little. She's great. She's a great journalist. Um, and she said, like, do I have hope? No, I really don't. Um, what has been my experience of this? It's been going on forever and nothing has really ever changed. And what keeps me going? And she just said, there's little things in my life that make me happy. And I try to forget about the ongoing trauma of being black in America because I don't think it's going to end or even be substantially changed within my lifetime. So she was saying like she has a niece that she enjoys spending time with like a baby niece mm-hmm. or texting siblings. And that it's just like, she's 
she's just going from moment to moment because she says she has no realistic hope that things will formatively change essentially i don't know how old she is but like call it around our age like in the next 40 to 50 years Mm -hmm. and that is so sad and like so true i'm just like i can't convince anyone to even like have a conversation about it or i can't convince myself to do a better job i don't i don't really i haven't even figured out what that would look like and i'm just like I don't know. I'm frustrated. I'm like disappointed. I'm pissed at myself, I guess, too. Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, we could definitely do more and be better. Um, And it's just, and it's hard and it's comfortable not to. And so it's, it's hard to have those tough conversations. It's hard to talk about things um to, like identify concrete things that will make a difference like it's it's kind of like voting where you're like well i should vote but if i don't vote it makes a difference but like if everyone voted and you didn't that would be kind of like it wouldn't really make a difference like it mm-hmm. never comes down to one vote but then it, you have to think about like if everyone did what i'm doing kind of a thing so Good times. Yeah. So, um, so my two classes for the semester on uh, change in um, organizations and then also um, global environments, organizations in global environments that way. And um, one of the articles that I recently read for um, the change um, class uh, raised a really important thing that I kind of think connects to like our previous um, life as um, um, as a bad patient. Oh, I, I thought I wondered if you were trying to think of that, but then I was like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah bad patient. Um, so the um hang on yeah i mean i think the thing that made bad patient ultimately less interesting to us was that every single story came down to socioeconomic factors or like we we felt like we kept saying like the the few things over and over again and i think after a couple years of that we were ready to like move on and then i realized that actually life comes down to that and so I just like to know I'm ready to move on (laughs) but there is no there is no greater topic so well I'm happy for you that you're back in school because social activity is important tell us about this article yeah hang on I thought I had it pulled up but somehow I closed it So it's from 2006 and it's about Malcolm Gladwell. I'm not sure if you're familiar um, with it, but he um, has, he talks, his like, his shtick is that he talks, he considers himself a self-described conversation starter. Um, And so what he does is he builds a relationship with academia for people who are doing, actively doing research and, um, 
talks with them, under, tries to understand the research, and then um, pivots it so that it becomes more accessible for people outside of academia, um, and that it allows it to be consumed by um, you know mass media that way in in a way that doesn't like dilute the story. Because you know we've definitely read some stories where like they the news article says this is what the research says but like if you click through to the article it very clearly does not say that yeah and like one of the things that was brought up in like our group's discussion was like there was an article there was research done on eating chocolate for people who had cancer right if doing things that you like and enjoy such as eating chocolate puts you in a better mood and makes you more receptible to the chemo and makes it makes your recovery options better or resiliency better that way because your mood and attitude impact your health as well. Right. And so like the mass media's interpretation of that story was chocolate cures cancer, <laughs> which is not remotely what we were talking about, but like having that um, mismatch of like trying to understand it's very dense. It has a lot of technical you have a lot of deadlines. You're trying to just move on. And so like, this is what I say it is. And then that is what I say. And then it gets picked up by other news organizations and then it just kind of explodes. And that's not like remotely what the research was talking about. So what this guy does and what he was kind of advocating for was having like a writer in residence um, in different universities to work with faculty members and also people working on their dissertation in order to um, write their story in a way, their research in a way that is accessible to business, especially because we do all this research on businesses and it stays in academia and it's never applied to those things. And so um, how we can, you know, demystify. Right. They're called PR or public information officers. Right. So, but making that more of a, more of a permanent thing or um, investing in that. So like, that's what he does. And that's, what he's trying to do and finding that delicate balance of like distilling everything that you've written as an editor, right. which you can appreciate um, all the research is obviously very important, but it like 300 page paper is not going to be read by anybody. Like, yeah, so, like, it's a really harsh lesson for a lot of researchers. So I used to have this job. I was a science reporter for an interdisciplinary group of nanoscience researchers say that 10 times fast. And the constant, argument with them was, yes, we can put that in, but we can put in 20% of your findings and people will read 80% of it, or we can put in 80% of your findings and people will, re will read 20% of it. Don't do the math on that. But like the, the point is not the numbers. The point is that like the amount that you want to share with people and that our people are willing to receive are very different amounts. And it's, mm -hmm. as time goes on, people are, have less and less time and like a video or audio format that they can listen to while they're driving is better. And yeah, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. No one else is ever going to be as interested in your baby as you, whether that's a human infant or your research project. That's fair. That's very true. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I've experienced that too with like kind of self-editing of like people. So like I was talking to a coworker who's finished her dissertation and she's now a doctor. Yay. Mm -hmm. um, and so like she was talking about her research and I was like super interested because it was talking about like the importance of academic advisor, which I am. And she's like, this is probably boring for you. And I'm like, no, like I, I genuinely want to know because A, you're like future me, right? Like you've completed it. And B, like this is a subject that I find interesting because it's like my job. 
Um, but even that she was like, you know, self-editing or whatever kind of, yeah. kind of stuff. Even when I was like trying to get her to tell me everything about the dissertation. I think one of the things that helped me be successful as a journalist is that I get interested by people's interest in things. So I end up being able to like listen excitedly to a lot of different things because I'm curious about the way that they're interested in it and engaged with it, which sounds kind of meta, but the point is like, it kind of, it makes me listen more when I can tell that the person's really, I'm trying to steer clear of the phrase turned on, but like really engaged. Passionate about it. Yeah. And because you, you can tell, it does make a difference and it totally comes through. And I think like, that's interesting. You're like, what made you decide to spend X number of years of your life on this? It's really, it's really kind of cool that people are willing to go down what essentially is a rabbit hole in a lot of cases, like not to diminish the role, but like, if you want to have a breakthrough, you need a hundred people going down teeny tiny rabbit holes. And then one person's going to be like, oh, hey, world's smallest, like nanoscale semiconductor or whatever. So yeah journalism stuff is hard and like i feel like the average person does not understand how the media works at all which i think is a rant for another day but um yes like should they share their findings more i suppose i i think it's also like can we teach the people who are into the rabbit hole how to say it themselves mm -hmm. talk about it with their friend you know like there's some kind of like communication training that could happen with the researchers themselves because like your PIO is only going to get you so far because because you have one PIO for a million researchers and like they can't spend all day but if you discover if you're the next Brene Brown and you discover something cool about resiliency in your ed D program Laura just random example there and mm -hmm. and and that impacts a million students or 10 million students then ultimately like the conversation will carry itself whereas if you if your TikTok never blows up, I mean, you might have really cool research, but I think people have to be able to self-advocate and self-promote their work. Um, and I say this as someone who's not necessarily comfortable self-promoting on social media. Like, I'll share things, but it's not. It's a, it's a little bit hard for me, and I think it's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I have my work hat on for some reason right now. Whenever someone says the media and I have to like go through my whole like explanation of how the media was once itself the, pro the product and then it was like commoditized to the point where the, the audience of the consumer is now the product. And so like you're complaining about quote the product but that's just a lure and you are the, pro I just feel like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a useful explanation anymore even though people are like the media and I'm like, I don't know. I need to like find a way of like encapsulating that discussion into 30 seconds to be like, do you pay for a subscription? No, you don't pay for it. You're the product. So the advertiser is like now kind of like they're driving the bus more than they used to. And so if you're mm -hmm. unhappy with the way that that looks, hold up a mirror. I don't know. Yeah. It's also a chicken egg thing. It's not yes. just about the consumer's choice, but blah, 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 dummy down of America. I don't know where to go from here. Do you, do you need any advice or anything? No, I think I'm good on advice. Um, I mean, I'll tell you something that's, that's happening and you can advise or not, but okay. one, one interesting thing, one thing that's interested me 
Did you see how I write speech to that? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's objectively interesting. I'm saying it's interesting to me. Also, be it known, podcast world, that if you listen to me enough, I will eventually teach you what right speech is. Laura knows. All my friends know. Partner knows. Um, but so right speech, there's like a truth element. And in this case, I guess it's not true that it's interesting. Also not interesting. Bad tangent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So there's this whole like open water swimming community in Oregon that I'm a part of. There's like the online, which... And there's the actual swimming, 10 out of 10, love it. And I'm just kind of like crossing over into being someone who helps people get into it. And I had a friend who's a little bit timid about open water swimming, even though this person is very interested in triathlon. And so I took them to a different place and they typically swim and kind of, you know, tried to make it more accessible mm-hmm. really jargon bingo during these podcasts because you could totally win I use too much jargon but just that whole thing of like oh yeah what do you do now there's glare it's choppy should we worry about boats oh the weeds they're weird like how do I stay away from these fishing lines and just kind of you know now if you do that a few times with someone like that's a place where they feel safe and confident swimming so I've been kind of like thinking about that giving back aspect of it um so I think finding the balance between like giving back and doing your own thing has kind of like stymied me a little bit, or I don't know exactly. There's no, I don't know that there's a problem here. It's just, it's a weird thing of like trying to find your place. And I think that like, no, I totally get that. So like to connect it to like me, because clearly I'm the most important person in this conversation. So like for me and like my divorce group, right? Like I like greatly relied upon them. two years ago when I was first going through the process and like blood all over people and was just like very emotional, very vulnerable and very open to people. And, um, I've kind of like evolved past going to like the group sessions and that I haven't done that in over a year. Um, and then like, I'm still connected to like the group, but there are like new people coming in that like need more than I am prepared to give. And like, I feel like crappy sometimes because like, I don't want to be there for these new people. But the part of the problem is for me, like it puts me back in a place that I don't, a headspace that I don't really care for, or like, it's not enjoyable for me. Like I like to hang out with my friends who are part of that group and we hang out together. That's what I want to do. Not necessarily like teach all these new people of like emotional intelligence and being able to process through it. Like, yes, that's fine sometimes, but like finding that balance of like, I don't want to do that every time. I don't want to be like the person or whatever. And I'm not. And so. And like someone did that for you and someone did it for me. So you, there's this sense of someone has to do some of it to keep it going. And I don't believe that anyone in this world doesn't need more friends. That's that's just, I don't, I just don't agree with that. But the fifth time I have to, is swimming in the river really safe? You know, eh. for me, yeah. I think more in person and less like online. And I know you guys have like a group me and stuff and I don't know what your experience has been, but the online like questions from strangers, I think is probably the least, the least helpful to anyone. Mm-hmm. Those people don't, who knows if they're going to come out or whatever. I think it's more fulfilling for me when 
were there in person and like spending time together, talking, hearing about their life, hearing about like their thoughts, because that, you know, that's, that's like a human relational experience instead of like, I heard the Q&A. isn't safe. What say you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are the odds that anybody in an official group that swims in the river says like, you're right. It's super dangerous. Don't do it. That was actually a response that someone gave. <laughs> he said, well, if you ask a bunch of people who do it, we are all going to say that it's fine. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's so hard to find that like delicate balance. And then like, because you've done it once, does that mean you have to do it like for the next person that's coming in behind them? Like, and how many people do you help? Yeah, you know? I've done it 15 times. Is that adequate? Do you right. kind of go in? One of my friends who's a social worker says that uh, Facebook is a great place to practice boundaries because there's a lot of invitations to conversations that you may or may not be like actually willing or wanting to have. Um, Also, I think that like going and actually swimming with someone is way more power. They could, if they really wanted the, if these were burning questions, they could just search them within the group. And I feel like I'm an inexperienced hiker and I like have posted some questions that I went back and revised in a hiking group for women that I was like part of on Facebook, just to say, just to be like, whoops, hey, I realized like this is the thing, you know, looking like, can you help me within this area? Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting to see something grow. Like you've probably seen this where at the beginning, you knew everyone in the group and then people join and then you're like, I don't even know who that is. And then all of a sudden there's like these new experts who have their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And stuff. Like someone today posted something online about like, no one should ever swim alone. Just never should ever do it. And if I'm, if I'm shaming people by saying that, then like I stand tall. I think there's a separate issue there where sometimes we confuse the, the medium with the message. Like you can be right and speak your truth. But if the tone behind the truth is fuck you, I'm right. Then that's not right speech. Sure. And not, I mean, <laughs> like that's a buddhist thing but but like yeah it's it's not that's not helpful thank you for your opinion thank you for standing tall but like you're not that's not a dialogue that's not a conversation exactly and it's it's kind of like if you have to say well if i'm bullying then i don't care i mean like check yourself before you wreck yourself i don't know that this person you know i didn't think it was hugely problematic and i'm not trying to like single that person out but i think the point is more of like i'm unapologetically right And Mm -hmm. I think you can think what you think unapologetically, but telling everyone else to sit down and shut up is kind of what crosses the line for me. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing too. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to like reveal on the subject, but swimming alone is not the safest thing. It's also a thing that sometimes ends up happening. If you go on a thousand swims, probably one of those is going to be alone just because that's the way the cookie is going to crumble and you might just choose to get in the water anyway. Or maybe at a certain point you're like, you know what? I really need to swim. I want to go right now. And you just go. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not recommending it. I'm saying, and you know, I've done it like once, twice in four years, but I just, I think there's some fundamental like, lack of experience in the, never, the absolutes, never. Well, 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what's, what's hard about it. Ever go. Yeah. And so I, you know, I don't know that it's important for us to like figure out if swimming alone is okay or not, but um, it's interesting how the things take on a life of their own and like, mm-hmm how things kind of grow and evolve. And there come to be these like standards and norms of behavior that I, I don't know. I mean, someone else said they were going to give back like, like a swim cap because of it. You know, like I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be doing that. And that's what I'm going to be doing. And I don't want to be like a disservice to the group. I felt like saying, keep your cap. Like you're, a, you're an autonomous adult. Right. I don't swim alone. I don't think I should either, but you're not on this planet to make apologies for like actions taken in good faith. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what's been like, you're, I mean, your, your group's a little different, I think, because like I started out, there's a million groups here in Portland now online that meet in different flavors. There's at least three or four main, I swim with at least three different, four different groups mm-hmm. at different times. So but I'm still interested in swimming, right? I joined because I'm interested in swimming. I'm still interested in swimming. Like you joined because you were getting through divorce. Like you're, you're kind of through it. Yeah. In the sense of like the, the building is burning being through it. Like, yeah, no, for sure. I definitely, I feel like, I mean, it's been, it's almost two years or almost a year since the divorce was finalized. It's 11 months or whatever. Um, and so like part of that is like, Eventually, I would like to, you know, work with a group not during like a pandemic because I don't want to do another Zoom call in my life. But like to be in a place where like, you know, six, 10, 12 years ago, I got divorced and I'm fine. Like you, you, there is light at the other tunnel and like be a leader within the group, like officially, not just like a person who casually drives through, which does happen. And I was found very weird. Um, and I didn't normally appreciate it as like, I just wanted to give you hope that, the, you know, like it's fine on the other side. Oh, um, it, it didn't vibe that way with me or whatever. Um, it, lo- it felt a little bit like, you know, somebody driving by a, um, a car right. crash a couple of times, like just right. seeing what the wreckage is, you know, kind of a thing, right. a little bit ghoulish. Well, you know that you'll heal. I was in a car accident once. You're like not helpful. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so, like, that's, like, eventually something that I want to do. But, like, for the most part, I've made a pivot to, like, these are my friends who um, I happen to share a trait with that we've both experienced these, um, this life experience. Um, But I don't exclusively and only hang out with them in the context of divorce group. These are, like, people that I enjoy spending time with and being with. Um, It's a relationship not everybody in the group I enjoy, you know, because we just don't vibe or whatever. We're old. They're older than I, a lot of them are older than I am. Um, because like there aren't a whole lot of 30 somethings going to, uh, a divorce group. (laughs) So, um, and so like, that's just kind of the nature of it. So like, you know, you're closer to some people than others and other people came like after me and I was able to connect with them. And then some of them have been like much later than me and I'm just not in that headspace. So I, I don't feel like I've connected as well with them. And I'm just learning to be okay with that, that I don't have to know everybody's story by heart. I don't know, have to know where they are exactly in the process. I don't need to have to have that like knowledge anymore because like, I don't have to be friends with everyone. I don't have to help everyone. So like that's been exponentially over time. And so you can't, you can't know all these people. 
Unfortunately, yeah. divorce keeps happening despite a pandemic or maybe because of. Um, so yeah, so um, so yeah, so like it's just moving moving on and and doing um, doing what's best for me and like for the people that I care about. So yeah. I think it's like a boundary. Figuring yeah, out what that is how like those groups can influence you. Like I I started partially for a triathlon, partially because I love being in the water. And then like, I find my goals sometimes like kind of dovetailing with theirs or like I support it. Well, no, I just came out and cheered on a friend who was swimming the Portland bridge swim route last weekend, which is like 11 and a half miles. Go Angie, you're amazing. Um, and actually a second friend like joined her on a whim. Um, so, you know, like fun way to spend six hours. <laughs> uh, so point being, I find myself really influenced by the people that I spend time with. And it's been kind of interesting to tease out whether or not Ironman still matters to me or like iron distance races, because I haven't found as much of a home in the triathlon community here. And I'm, I'm not sure that I'm innocent in that. I feel intimidated by group bike rides and I haven't been super interested in group track practices, but I've also found like you that triathletes tend to be a little bit older and they kind of want to do the group workout and head back home. And whereas like the swim people are like, sure, let's meet up every Sunday and like kind of chill. And so it's, it's almost like there was a point at which I had thought like, do I just want to swim or do I want to like invest in swimming fast enough to like keep up with my friends who are primarily swimmers? I didn't even know that's possible, honestly. <laughs> like I don't know, but buy buy more fins. <laughs> buy shorter fins. Yeah. I mean I have like free dive fins, but those are designed to go down and not across. So yeah, it's just kind of a weird it's kind of like a weird thing of like I think some people identify strongly with one group and then I tend to identify like partially with different groups. Um, I feel self-conscious talking about this because I feel like we're at the place where you're expected to have kids and it's going to sound like selfish to have like 7,000 hobbies and things. But um, I think that's like internalized sexism, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I sent sent you an article about uh, 12 women who had like response for the reason why. I read that. Um, and the reason why I sent you that is because it was sent to me because in my class, we had to do like a brief bio professional personal thing. And it was like, do you have any cats? Do you have any hobbies? Do you have any kids? Do you have a spouse? You know, kind of a thing. And like, I have a cat and I'm in grad school. That's my hobby. So like I, so I was talking to the lady in my cohort. I was like, I just, so I just like my personal was my pronouns are she, her, hers. And that was it. Like the solely personal thing. The other thing is too, like everybody in this class, I have had class with for over a year. So like they know me, but like, I don't feel it necessary to put it down on a piece of paper. The teacher doesn't know me that well, but I don't care. Um, Why does that have to be a part of the conversation if you don't want it to be, or if that's not what's important or relevant to you? Also, why is the question, do you have children, pets, or hobbies, like, right, yeah, so, I, I mean, it was trying to, like, um, 
it just trying to like you know explain like what it wanted or whatever but it just so so I was just like so I didn't I didn't want to and I felt like bad about myself because I don't have a husband I don't have kids so like when let's see what I said about myself you know like and then just like I wasn't super feeling it so yeah so Mm. I kept it brief and like moved on I don't know so I don't know. I like the, um, I think it was Cameron Diaz quote. Well, she said like, I'm having, my life is fascinating as it is or something like that. Yeah. I have an unbelievable life. <laughs> Cameron Diaz. Like, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't have Cameron Diaz's life, but. But you do have an unbelievable life. Like you went to Tahiti oh. for a month and yeah. you are a big wig at your company and you are a lady boss, you know, your boss mm-hmm. and you're a lady. Um, and you know, you have your own, and I do not have a penis. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think you do have an incredible, unbelievable life and I'm proud of you. Thanks. Love you too. Um, and that's on <laughs> having an emotionally unavailable childhood. Cause it's hard for me to respond to that. Um, <laughs> no, I do, but I do love and value you. I think, you know, to this topic, I would like people to to say, like, tell us your pronouns and tell us what's, what's important to you in life Mm -hmm. and let let people talk about the factors in their life and the way that they're going through the, the world. And if that's a kid, beautiful. If it's a fish, beautiful. If it's exploring the world, also beautiful, you know? So I, I think like, you know, maybe the reason you were, you felt compelled not to share other things was because they said kids, pets, and hobbies to be like hobbies. I'm sorry. Like, I guess I consider podcasting a hobby. Um, the stuff we do outside at this point is not just a hobby to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. This quest to see if I can get my body to do cardio for 10 to 12 hours straight is, is not a hobby. It's this whole, it's this thing I've it's been a passion absolutely years that like has great meaning to me and like has been a great source of like learning and screwing up and like self-acceptance for me you know so, I love it yeah don't hobby me <laughs> don't hobble me with your hobby comments not you you know what I'm saying like yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely do you have kids or do you just do, do you just do bullshit in your spare time? No, like, no. Yeah. I think we both have really good hair right now. We do. You know what I did last night? I did the bathrobe thing. Uh-huh. Where you like wrap it around. It didn't even work. Doesn't matter. I love like it looks fabulous. Yeah. It just gives it a little bit of wave. And I think if I did it, I'm going to keep trying with it this is what I've realized I don't really want to get my hair cut it's pandemic time I love my hair cutter but it's not a risk that seems worthwhile to me right now and I love having long hair the thing I don't love about long hair is like when it just kind of like is really long and really straight and like doesn't have a lot of volume and like funky beachy waves are a fun way of like it can be kind of messy and like doing its own thing and I'm not styling it with a blow dryer those days are behind me Pre, pre-pandemic. They weren't even pre-pandemic. Those were like pre-Oregon, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. All right. I feel like that's enough experting for one day. You want me to shut up about my hair? 
No, I brought it up. Your hair looks fabulous. And I like did a, like a flip with my hair and then it was like, oh, it looks good. So I don't, I don't know what the hell just happened, but I'm not like, trying not to touch it. Or is that like a dye? Um, I mean, I dyed my hair last October, so I don't think it counts anymore. Yeah, that's, that's just you. All right. Well, it looks gorgeous. So yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys, this week. Uh, join us next week or next year. There's no way to know. No, God, no.